Welcome to this conversation. I'm your host, Teresa Keller. My guest today is Dr. Keith Perigen. Dr. Perigen is superintendent of Washington County, Virginia Schools. And the reason that I decided to give him a shout out and get him on this show is he has taken to social media and I get posts daily to know what's going on with him and with the schools. And there's been some recent really good news. Welcome, Dr. Perigen, to this conversation. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to tell the story of, of Washington County Public Schools. Oh, I know you are. But first of all, you're relatively new to the position. Tell us how long you've been there. Yes, ma'am. I was I was hired last spring, started on July 1st. Uh, so I'm new to the position. I'm, I'm not new to the county, however. I grew up in Washington County Public Schools uh, from kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, spent most of my career, uh, six years teaching and uh, 13 years as an administrator, before I took a little detour and uh, went to Norton and the city of Bristol. But uh, it was good to come back home. What did you teach when you were in the classroom? So I was a special education teacher and I, I worked with students who had emotional disturbances in a self-contained classroom. All right. Well, that sounds like an interesting background. And I personally, I happen to believe that anybody who's a superintendent benefits from having been in the classroom. And I guess that's kind of a typical route, but good for you. Typ typical, not always, but typical. Yes, ma'am. All right. Recently, there was an announcement that Washington County, Virginia was in the top 10 of schools in Virginia with SOL scores. Is that correct? That is correct. We actually were uh, ranked seventh when you look at SOL scores across the entire Commonwealth, which, you know, seventh is a great number. But when you consider the fact that it, it, when you look at the poverty factor in Washington County, we're in the bottom half as far as affluency goes. And so uh, it's not only impressive that we're in the top 10, as you said, but the fact that we have so much poverty in our county and we're still able to overcome that and, and achieve so well is a real testament to our students and to our staff. Well, now, the term SOL is just common to you and anybody in the school system, but listeners might not know what that means. So could you explain that in simple terms? Yes, ma'am. The, uh, the SOL tests are the standards of learning and uh, every every grade level, every subject uh, that the Commonwealth of Virginia uh, supports, we have SOLs. There are standards of learning. At certain grade levels and in certain subjects, we have standards of learning tests. Uh, those begin in third grade, the tests do, the standards begin in kindergarten, but the, the first tests happen in third grade and they go all the way through a, a student's high school career. All right, just to help understand it a little bit more. When you say a standard of a standard of learning, give me an example of what that might be in history. What would be a standard that the students have to have mastered? The student will an analyze a historical document like the Constitution and understand the uh, benefits and the uh, impact that that has on American government. That would be, and that's not, a, I'm, I'm making that up, but it would be something along those lines. All right. Okay. I had, I was going to save this for later, but we're going to go into it right now that they would understand the constitution. And oh my goodness, if I used to think that people had a general understanding of the constitution. And right now it seems that that's at risk. Do you have, if you, it, it, you said that's not a real example. I mean, is there a civics component to education in Washington County? Yes, so we do. And so that is, when I say it's not a real example, that is a 
an example. I just didn't quote it word for word. So yeah, that certainly would be an example of a standard. Yes, and we do at the middle school level, we have a civics curriculum. At, at, really at parts of social studies throughout K through 12, there are civic subcategories, but there's actually a civics, uh, stand, there are civic standards at the middle school level, but they're embedded throughout uh, the courses in social studies from K through 12. So we should believe that students who graduate from Abingdon High School understand the principles and fundamentals of the Constitution. Yes, ma'am. That That is our hope. And if they have been successful in uh, their social studies SOL test and their government, U.S. history, world history courses along the way, we would certainly um, expect that they are familiar with the branches of government, with the Constitution, with the Declaration, with the entire history of how our democracy was formed. Well, I've jumped right into the meat here. I, I intended to delay this, but one of those is free speech. And it seems, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, it seems that free speech is under assault, and particularly in the schools, and that teachers are particularly at risk if they talk about subjects that some people think are inappropriate in a classroom. Yeah, and so there there are controversies all over the country uh, just on that topic currently. And I think that, you know, it's there's a real delicate balance about, you know, what our curriculum is and what we're supposed to teach and, and some topics that are probably better left for parents to uh, take care of on their own in their own homes. Because as you know, um, you know, one family may have one set of beliefs about a particular subject and another family has another set of beliefs. And I don't think that that is the, the school's job is to indoctrinate, but it is to make our students aware of different um, schools of thought and different uh, theories that are out there. But at the end of the day, um, you know, schools have their curriculum that they're supposed to teach, but there's also a place for parents to have their role in um, making sure their students are learning the things that they want, especially, you know, in, in things like religion and uh, things of that nature. That's certainly off uh, off limits for us in public education. There is a place for parents, as you say, but is the place for parents to determine the curriculum? Because I know in some localities that the teachers are basically prohibited from saying that there was racism or is racism in this country or prohibited from talking about the fact that there are different kinds of sexuality and that books have been banned all over the place for for talking about gay people and trans people that's got to just grind your gears well you know not not really i mean i think that parents are i mean they're their, our children's first teachers and they should have uh, a lot of impact and control over the courses that our students take and what they're learning in the classroom. But what we do in Washington County is if there is a controversial topic there and that we're teaching, parents can opt their students out of that. And we provide an alternative assignment that uh, allows them to continue with the course, but maybe not be exposed to that particular curriculum. So that they opt out instead of trying to control the curriculum for everybody else. That's that's it. What that's is it true that, with, with textbooks or library books and uh, different assignments along the way. And so we, we really do believe that we have a specific curriculum that we are required to teach. But we also want our parents to be hand in hand. And that's not necessarily with what are what we're going to test or what we're going to teach it every day, but that they know what's that we're providing 
as far as education goes. And then if they if they're in agreement, then their their children have the ability to stay with it. But if there's something that they would prefer their children not learn in a public school setting, uh, we can provide alternative assessments and alternative assignments for those students as well. OK, so we're talking about free speech and we're talking about regulations in a way. How does the school system get along with the Virginia legislature? What's going on there? Well, it, very well. I mean, if you look at our Southwest delegation, they are tremendous supporters of public education. And, and we work very closely with them as a, as a group of superintendents, our local school boards. Um, we meet with them every year before they go to Richmond. And we share uh, from both of those different groups the things that we think are important as far as legislation goes. As a matter of fact, Senator Pillion and Delegate O'Quinn are both carrying bills that we worked with them on during this session, one being around chronic absenteeism. Uh, currently, about half the states in the nation have educational neglect as part of their code, as part of their, their code. Virginia does not. You know, Virginia has uh, sexual abuse and physical abuse and physical neglect, emotional abuse, but they do not have educational neglect as part of the code. And, you know, as we we've had absentee problems forever, uh, the pandemic exacerbated that and is really and we've really not recovered from that completely. And so as we're trying to get our students back to school to get not only to make sure they get a proper education, but also so that they have access to the other resources that we provide in our buildings, we, we've struggled with a small group of our families. And so what we hope with that bill is that by adding educational neglect to the code, that will open up resources to students whose parents may be disengaged for whatever reason. It may be, um, could be poverty, it could be uh, addiction, it could be, uh, you know, the incarceration. There's a, a lot of different reasons that our students who are chronically absent may be missing school that's no fault of their own. And so we're trying to get resources to those students. And so we, we cleared a big hurdle with that. It passed the Senate Education Subcommittee last week. Uh, we're hoping to see that uh, move through the General Assembly. The other um, bill that they carried for us specifically is, you know, there's a bus driver shortage across the Commonwealth and actually across the nation. And we're feeling that here in Washington County as well. We have uh, five of our teachers currently who, before they start their day teaching, they drive a morning route, they teach uh, a full day of school, and then they drive an evening route, taking students back home uh, from school. We compensate them for that extra work. However, that compensation does not count towards their uh, Virginia retirement. And so Delegate O'Quinn and Senator Trapillion carried a bill that would allow those teachers who also drive buses to count that compensation towards retirement. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it, the legislation was actually pulled this past week because the Virginia retirement system says, hey, we can do that without legislation. And they just made an administrative change to their handbook. And so next year, all teachers across the Commonwealth of Virginia who drive normal bus routes will get a, a see a bump to their Virginia retirement. Those are a couple of examples. We work with them. If there's a bill that comes up in a committee that they're voting on, uh, we often get calls from our legislators about how that we believe that it would impact public education. So we appreciate that partnership. So bus drivers check. Absenteeism, educational neglect, just one follow-up question on that. You said it will help release resources. And I'm also wondering what those resources might be and also what teeth it provides for, I don't know, I guess enforcing, I don't know, holding yeah, parents great, accountable. Great question. Great question. So the, the initial idea is for it not to be uh, punitive. 
the initial idea is to get services to those families who don't have them. And so, you know, as we send our assistant principals, you know, we don't have truancy officers here in Washington County and the uh, the state does not fund truancy officers. So really that that responsibility falls on our administration. But as you know, running a, a school is is busy enough on its own without going out in the community and trying to round up the students who are not there. But we do try. And so uh, what it would do is get other agencies, whether it be social services or community service boards or counseling agencies in the community to get services to those family because it's not just that they're not coming to school. There's a reason behind why those families are not coming to school. And so if we can start dealing with those reasons and not just the absenteeism, we believe that we can better serve our families. However, if we try and try and try and, and and still we have no luck in connecting with those families and getting those families to engage with us, there would be some teeth uh, from a, a, you know, a punitive standpoint, potentially for those families who are just completely disengaged and, and continue to refuse to get their children into school. What makes you feel good on a daily basis? Oh, gosh, you know, I start my day every day at one of our schools, either in a car rider line or greeting kids as they get off a bus. And so I have, I think, the best job in the world because I get to uh, spend time with children each and every day. But I also need I get to be part of the policy making decisions that go into helping children uh, thrive in their current environment, but also to succeed in their future environment. Um, I'm also really uh, one of the things that I've always been focused on as a superintendent is trying to make sure that we pay our folks what they're worth. And we don't do a very good job of that in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We're one of the lowest paying states. And even though we're, we have a lot of capacity, uh, we really don't pay our teachers well. And so I'm, I'm constantly advocating for better pay for not only our teachers, but for all of our support staff. And so when you have some success there and you, you see those raises come in, you know that you're having an, a, a, an immediate and direct impact on families. And so my job, I, I have opportunity every single day to help children and to help families. And, and that makes me very happy. Okay, Dr. Perigen, I'm going to tell you my story and you're going to tell me how I went wrong. I graduated from college and started teaching at uh, a public high school in Southwest Virginia. I was 21 years old the day I the day the students came. I taught for three years. I taught English, five classes, 20 some students. I felt like I was 110 years old. I thought I can't do this for a career. And I know that it's harder and harder to attract teachers. And one of those reasons is the money and that there's no way up. Oh my goodness, what do you say? How do you overcome those kinds of challenges? So I would say a lot of things to that. Number one, we our goal in Washington County Public Schools is to be the best paying school division in the Commonwealth because even though I believe that public education is a calling, everybody has to eat. Everybody has to pay their bills. And if we can't provide a competitive wage, then we can't recruit or retain the very best professionals. And so first and foremost, we that is key. We've got to get our pay scales competitive, not only with other educators in our in our area, in our region, but with other college graduates. You know, you can look at a college graduate, you know, you go through four years to become a teacher, or sometimes five years to become a teacher. 
and you look at other industries where somebody goes for four or five years of college and the, the earnings are not even close. And so we've got to, first of all, become competitive with other educators in the region, but then we start got to start being competitive with other folks who have similar degrees. And so that's, that's on the advocacy front. But going back to how I kind of started that answer, truly ed public education is a calling. And so if you're if you go to college and you want to be a teacher and your whole reason for doing that is that you want to become affluent, that's probably not going to happen. And so, it, I mean, a lot of times that that internal calling that you feel or receive from from whatever source, I think that's key. And, and for me, I believe that is why I've been in public education and, you know, I've, I've been able to make a good living and, and teachers. That's another thing that you mentioned for a teacher to really increase their earnings they really have to go through administration. Uh, there's not, we don't have a, a teacher pay formula that rewards great teachers for being in the classroom and doing great things and excelling. So if, you, if you've taught 24 years and you're a great teacher, you get paid exactly the same if you've been teaching for 24 years and you're not so great a teacher. And so I would like to see, it's, it's hard to determine how you determine teacher quality. And that, that's what I think has caused that not to catch a lot of steam in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But I would like for us to think creatively and innovatively moving forward about how we can reward great teachers without getting them out of the classroom and into the administrative office. So you're talking about some kind of a merit pay system. Merit pay is one thing, but also, I mean, what if you had teacher leaders that were able to earn more because they're awesome and they are able to share that knowledge and, and um, their resources and their experiences with other teachers who need that additional help. But we really all we get funding to cover the students that we have in our buildings and we really don't receive additional funding to help make those folks better or to have a different uh, opportunities for advancement without going into a completely. I mean, being a teacher is one thing being a principal is something completely different. I mean, we're all educators, but I mean, you actually, if you want to advance in the teaching profession, you actually have to change course and change profession and go in a different direction. And I wish we could be innovative enough to find a way to reward teachers. Merit pays one, one way to do that, but I'd like for us to think outside the box and find a way to reward teachers to stay in the classroom, but still to make a living um, that is, um, better than what we currently are able to offer for a, a teacher in a regular setting. You said you would like to see Washington County, Virginia have the best pay in the Commonwealth for teachers. How far are we from that? And is that possible? So we've made a lot of strides this past year. Um, when I came in in July, our beginning teacher pay was 11th in our region out of 19 school divisions. Uh, we were able to relook at our budget and make some adjustments. And we actually started the year in August, giving our teachers, all staff, a 3% average raise. And then uh, finally, the legislator, uh, legislature approved their state budget, and we were able to give another 2% raise. And so since July, our staff has given, an, on average, a 5% raise. And so just with that, we were able to jump from being ranked 11th at the beginning teacher pay scale to 7th. And... Uh, we're doing some unique things with our salary scales to, to try to attack the areas where we're not competitive. At the top of our scale, we're first or second. And so we're doing really well as we pay teachers at the top of the scale, but we've got some work to do at the bottom and the middle of the scale for teachers. The same is true across other support staff areas. 
And so we're looking at that, uh, our administrative pay scale in Washington County is very competitive. And so when we gave those 5% raises in the fall, our administrators didn't get a 5% raise. They, they still received a small raise, but we took what we saved from not giving them the full 5% and poured that into some of our hourly salary scales to make them more competitive. And so All we're right. really I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm gonna ask it? I'm gonna ask you for a hard number. Yeah. What would be a top salary for the for a Washington County, Virginia school teacher? Uh right around seventy thousand. It's give or take a few dollars, but it's right at seventy thousand dollars. That's nothing to sneeze at. No, that that is good, but you've got to work for twenty-five years to get yeah. to that. What's the entry well, level? I'm 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 cringing. What's the entry level? About forty five. Forty five. Yeah. Well, you know, it's wonderful to see that you're working on that. I'm sure the teachers appreciate it. But here's the real question: the population, the general population, screams no more taxes. And if taxes go up, even if people know it's specifically for education, they tend not to like the idea. That's, right. That's a generalization that may be false. But anyway, what do you think? I, I think in, in conservative parts of rural Virginia, you're spot on. Um, you know, we we I think that our uh, appropriating bodies are doing the very best that they can not to raise taxes. Even when assessments go up, those uh, property tax rates are changed to, to prevent. You know, our, our population is not affluent. And so to add additional taxes to um to our uh, citizens is is not always the answer. So I think part of that is advocacy at the state level. You know, we have a coalition of small and rural schools uh, that we started uh, back in 2015. Washington County by itself doesn't have a great voice in Richmond. Norton City by itself doesn't have a large voice in, in Richmond. But when you take 81 rural school divisions and bring them together to advocate for similar needs, we do have a voice. And so through that advocacy, we have actually saw tremendous increases in state aid to local rural school divisions that have really helped us improve salaries. So that's one way through advocacy. But the other thing is, I mean, we just have to look at our priorities. If, if our priority is to be the best paying school division in the Commonwealth or in the region and then in the Commonwealth, I mean, we've got to look at our, our budget. Everybody thinks the budget is a list of numbers, but that's not what a budget is. A budget is the... is an example or a demonstration of your priorities. And so that's what we have to do. We have to look hard at our budget to make sure if that is our number one priority, that we're putting our money where our mouth is. And so that was actually the 3% raise that we gave in August. That's because we just took a hard look at our budget and we said, you know, here's an area where we're putting money. Here's an area where we need it more. And so we just moved that, moved that money over. And that's, I mean, those are the kinds of hard decisions that I think we have to make if we really are going to be competitive. I mentioned that you use social media at the beginning of this uh, interview, and I'm wondering who is your target audience for your social media post? Is it to build support and help define the priority for education, or is it for young people to just keep them abreast of what, who's your target audience and why? Well, so I, I think I have like five followers. So, uh, you know, it's really, <laughs> Uh, you know, every single tweet, every single message that we send out on Facebook or Instagram or whatever we're doing really has a different audience. For example, last night um, I, I tweeted out about some of our high school students and how well they represent at Washington County at the Farm Bureau Ag Dinner. 
that was that really was intended for two audiences. Number one, a shout out to our kids for being so awesome. Uh, number two, a thank you to uh, the ag industry in Washington County who's so supportive of our school division. And then and then also uh, just to acknowledge the fact that agriculture and horticulture education is a very important part of what our curriculum is. So that, you know, that was a different audience than maybe when we're um, tweeting out about, uh, you know, poor road conditions in the county. I mean, that's actually to let parents know and families know uh, what's going on and why we're making those decisions. Dr. Carter, the superintendent in, in Smith County, when I was in Bristol, he, he teases me all the time and says, I was the first superintendent to build a new school through social media. And, <laughs> you know, we really, you know, use social media um, to advocate and to bring the needs of our school division out to the general public. And so, you know, did that in Bristol. And we try to do that in Washington County as well. Speaking of students, there is a very professional looking young man behind you. And yeah. I'd like for you, we're not going to bring him to the microphone because there's another question that I want to ask. Well, maybe we are. But anyway, yeah. tell us who this young man is and what he's doing in your office during this interview. So I have Caden Singleton with me. He is a freshman at Abingdon High School. And earlier this school year, he reached out to me and said, you know, I have an interest in going into education. I'd like to be a teacher. I'd like to maybe go through administration at some point. And I would love to spend some time um, with you and see what, what that job looks like. Okay, well, Caden Singleton, you're going to get just a sentence or two. What have you learned by shadowing Dr. Keith Perrigan? Well, since I started, uh, I've learned a lot about like what it takes. And I, I didn't expect it to take so much. You know? He has all <laughs> these meetings, all these calls. He has to work on the budget and all this stuff. And I know it's a hard job, but I always thought it was interesting and you're a leader of so many people. So you got to act the right way and do all this. And you can't slip up or anything. So it's hard, but it's worth it in the end to help the students and the teachers. And so you, you still have your same enthusiasm. You still want to do it? Yes, ma'am. All right. Thank you for talking with us, Caden. And you. Keith Perrigan, Dr. Keith Perrigan, Washington County, Virginia Public School Superintendent. <laughs> you are so optimistic you're so positive. You should run for office, I'll just say. <laughs> but, I, somebody said I should run for the county line. I don't know. <laughs> One or the other. But um, tell us your journey. How did you find your passion for this? You know, I, actually, I shared this in convocation. I, You know, I didn't have the, I, I was, certainly wasn't a high poverty student growing up, but my family didn't have a lot of means. And, um, you know, I had challenges throughout my childhood and even into early adult life. But really, I think that the way my journey started is, is just public education teachers and other staff members pouring into me. And, and even when I didn't deserve it sometimes, I had uh, teachers who believed in me and let me know that they believed in me. And at the end of the day, um, I ended up achieving way more than I probably should have been simply because I had a great support group behind me and my family, but also in our public education and our community. And so, um, you know, it really probably the, the professional honor of my life is to be able to come back to Washington County and to, to give back to this division that has really poured so much into me. We should say amen right there, but I've got one more minute. Okay, so yeah. two, two memories, a best day and a worst day. Start with the worst day, the worst day you remember. Well, you know, you know, when I was I was principal at Patrick Henry High School for for nine years and my my principalship started there with with two students who passed away 
Uh, we had a, a, another student pass away in the middle. We had a tornado in the middle. And then my last year at Patrick Henry, we also had two students who passed away. And I, I can't pinpoint any one of those things as the worst day, but they were all they were all pretty bad. Well, I'm glad we didn't do that one last. And, yeah. you know, that's a horrible memory. Horrible. Uh, best day or best days? But, you know, the best days, I would say a couple of things. You know, most recently here in Washington County, when we, like I was here for two weeks and we identified some money in our budget that we could uh, put back into teacher raises. So I was so excited <laughs> at convocation to, you know, be able to share with our teachers that they were going to get a raise. The problem with that, though, is I didn't think about I was going to have to do convocation again next year. So I don't know how we're going to top that. But what I'm really looking forward to is the great days that we have ahead, because that's what's really important. Dr. Keith Perigen, superintendent of Washington County, Virginia, with his young professional student, Dr. I started to say Dr. Caden Singleton, he but that'll be, be coming. That'll be coming at some point. Thank you for being with us today on this conversation. Have a great day. You too. Thanks again. This has been This Conversation here on WEHC and WISE, Wednesdays at 6, Sundays at 2, and you can find our podcast easily. You just search for WEHC Podcast This Conversation. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dr. Perigen. Thank you, Caden Singleton, and we'll see you next time.